into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel would be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, That man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders to Daniel to be arrested, for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, 
May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they could not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Sirius the Persian. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. And to open up the word, we have a good friend of this church. His name is Kwame Adzam. Guess what day he was born on? Saturday. Bruce over there, he's a Kwame as well. He was born on Saturday. So come up, Kwame. Kwame is one of the leaders of Trinity Baptist Church, which is the largest Baptist church in the country. Is that right, we think? Uh, and uh, he has a ministry uh, both in London and also overseas. He just got back from Norway and going to head off to Haiti soon. You're going to tell us a bit about that as well, aren't you? Let's pray for Kwame. Lord, we thank you so much for Kwame. We pray that you'll be with him now. Fill him with your spirit and help us to receive your word through him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Nigel, and for the um, uh, pastoral team, and Jenny, Sam, and uh, Dragana. Is that correct? All right, all right, fantastic. And it's great to be back here. Um, Forest Hill Community Church. Uh, it's always a refreshing time when I'm with you. I'm encouraged and uh, I'm blessed and I hope uh, you are blessed by my ministry too. 
and uh, and I'm confident that today God is here with us, and uh, He has a word for you. He has a word for me, and that uh, we will receive His blessing to go out to be a blessing. I'm particularly blessed to be here this morning because this time round I did not come alone. I came with my beautiful wife, Dee Dee. Please give us a wave and. Uh, <laughs> and, and also our lovely children and they've gone to uh, the children uh, Sunday service Eldora and Jedediah and so uh, it's a great honor thank you once again for inviting me please uh, we have received the reading so let's pray Father thank you so much for your amazing love for us as we come opening our hearts to hear what you have to say to us And Lord, we understand that you speak through us. And Lord, grant us that as we hear your word, we may hear what the Spirit is saying to each and every one of us. And so thank you. And that your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Your word is life. And your word is spirit. And your word is light. And it shines on our path. Lord, the entrance of your word gives us understanding. And to the simple. And so, Lord, we pray, speak your word to us. And let it change our situation. Let it stir faith in our hearts. Let it bring us to the place where you want us to be. That we will be overcomers. That we will be able to magnify you and glorify you. Whatever our state of life may be. And so, Father, we thank you. Because you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. According to the working of your power in us. Be magnified. In Jesus name. Somebody say a big amen. Amen. Praise God. Now for a a title. um, In the pit but you are coming out. So I want you to find someone you really like. And give them a beautiful smile. And I hope you like everybody here. Okay, so, uh, so I'm going to say, in the pit, but you respond to your neighbor, you're coming out. In the pit? No, no, no. Okay, let, let, me, let me say this. You see, sometimes we're in church looking nice like this. But do you know that sometimes it's possible for someone to come to church and not talk to anyone in any meaningful way till they go home? And so this exercise is really to help us to engage. And sometimes, you know, we think thoughts to ourselves, but we don't believe them until someone speaks to us. And so we're doing two things. You want to connect with someone and you want to speak into someone's life. You want to invest a quality word in someone's life. And you'll believe what you say, not simply because I asked you to say it. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see your brother or sister come out of whatever situation is holding them down? This is the reason why we gather. So look at neighbor right now and say, when I say in the pit, you say you're coming out. In the pit. Uh, some people are still not sure. The person who is not saying anything is just a, a, a suspect. In the pit. You're coming out. Hallelujah. You're coming out. You're coming out. I love it when the, the, the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you know why? Because in this house is fullness of joy. In this presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand side are pleasures forevermore. There's a beautiful thing about Jesus. When you come to him, he gives you beauty for ashes. 
strength for weakness, healing for sickness. He gives light for darkness. I like that. I like that. You know, when we come to Jesus, when we are afraid, he takes, he don't say, no, just forget about the fear. Out of the fear, he brings courage. May someone become confident this morning. May someone go from here blessed, strong, knowing that God is with you and you are more than a conqueror. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. And so I'm praying that you will not go back the same way you came. If you came here beaten, defeated, shoulders hanging down and wondering in the world where is God, I pray that you will go back with shoulders up with a spring in your step, a smile on your face, knowing that God walks beside you. Not only that, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Christ in you, the hope of... Are you upset? Okay. Christ in you, the hope of... All right, that's more like it. Amen. Before I get into the, into the real message, I'm reminded of a very funny story. Uh, the story of this minister was driving down the road and he got pulled over by a police officer. So as the police officer drew close to, his, uh, to, to, to the side of the car, he could smell alcohol. So he said to him, you've been drinking. He said, no. So there, there was a bit of a, a thermostat by his side. He said, no. So he said, it's water. So the police officer said, can I check? So uh, he, he gives him... <laughs> A bit of a, he gives him the cup of the of the thermostat, and he gets hit by the smell of alcohol. And he said, "No, you've been drinking." He said, "Oh, this is this smells alcohol." He said, "No, ah, I suppose Jesus has done it again." <laughs> I pray that Jesus will do something for you again today, that you go away with a blessing in Jesus' name. From the passage of scripture our brother read for us, Daniel chapter 6, there are four things I want you, we can divide this passage into four parts, okay? The first one is the plot against Daniel. And we find that from the verse number 1 to the verse number 10. And the second part is the posture of Daniel uh, from verse 10 to verse 11. And then the third part, the problem of Daniel, the problem Daniel faced from verse 12 to 18, and then the, the final part would be the, the promotion of Daniel. It's, Nigel is very smart. He's, uh, he's, you know, going ahead of me. So let's begin with the plot against Daniel. The plot against Daniel is really the enemies of his faith. Whilst the king was seeking or was planning his uplifting, the others were planning his downfall. Can I say this to us? Please. May, not in this church. But the truth is that not everyone who loves with you in life is really seeking your happiness. Not everyone who loves with you is really happy for you. But this is not to witch hunt or to suspect anybody who laughs at you or laughs with you. Uh, but to know that it's only God who really knows what goes on in people's hearts. And that is why it's better to trust in God than to trust in people. 
Too many destinies have been wrecked because they have trusted in man. And they laugh with you right now. They sit with you. They eat with you. But no, they are not seeking the good that God has for you. The Jesus knows, the Bible knows say, a man's enemies are those of his own household. Now, please don't get me wrong. Don't go and begin into which hand who is, who is up against you in your family or in this church. That's not what I'm talking about. But the point is, trust in God. Because whilst God is seeking you to go forward, there are enemies of your faith. There are situations that come to seek to derail you and get you away from God. And you need to be serving so as to walk to get to your destination. And I see you doing that. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Also, with, a new, with every new level of promotion, there is a new devil. So the plot starts the moment Daniel is about to be promoted. Or he's promoted to become the, the president or the team leader of the other three administrators over the 120 offices. That's correct. <laughs> With new promotion comes new problems. Do not be surprised if you break through in life and you hit a brick wall. Because with every lifting, you will face another level of opposition. It's just the way of life. If you, now, and the, the, the plot starts this way. They try to find out if they could find anything to accuse Daniel of in terms of mismanaging his work, in terms of his integrity, in terms of his honesty, but they found nothing. Isn't that amazing? The only thing, the only problem they could find is with what he did right, not what he did wrong. So I ask myself, if I am accused of praying too much, will I be found guilty? If I am accused of being too devoted to Jesus, would I be found guilty? If you are accused of praying day and night, would you be charged? Would you be found guilty as charged? Daniel the testimony about him is that he stood devoted to his God. And it is exactly in that he was found guilty. If you were charged of being, if you were accused of being committed to this church, serving God consistently, can I ask you this? Will you be charged as guilty? Or you will not be found guilty? If you were charged or accused of being Christ-like, would you be found guilty or not? My prayer is that if we are charged as Christians, if we are charged as people who love God, who are passionate about the things of God, who live by the Bible, who don't pick and choose, who don't follow the system of the world, that truly will be found guilty. It means we're doing something right. It means we're walking faithfully with God. It means we're standing for God. May you be one of those 
who stand for Jesus in this pervert and crooked generation. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. So the plot against Daniel was a plot against his faith. A plot against his relationship with God. The story goes on. After the plot, we see the posture of Daniel from verse number 10. Can we read that, please? Verse number 10. And it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Hallelujah. Then this man went as a Then this man went up as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So Daniel, when he heard this law has been passed, he did exactly what the law forbade people to do. He took a posture of being consistent in prayer. He took a posture of been courageous in thanking God when a law contrary to that has been passed. The posture of Daniel was that he was continu- he was he exhibited a continuous loyalty to God's service. He showed commitment in inte- to integrity. He refused to compromise. It would have been easy, maybe you know, uh, it would have been easy for Daniel to say, you know what. I'm just going to fulfill the law of the land. It's only for 30 days and just chill. God understands, but not Daniel. He knew his God. He was committed to his God. His God came first. And so he took a posture. Come what may, I will stand for God. Or Daniel could have easily said, you know what? I will pray quietly. I will not open the windows. I will pray in secret. But that was not his style. He had taken a stand to publicly acknowledge God. And nothing was going to stop him. Whenever we come up against situation, and we will in life, each one of us has to make up our mind what stand we're going to take. And here we find Daniel. He takes a stand to be consistent in prayer. He takes a stand to be courageous in thanking God. Too many people, when they get hit with problem, instead of thanking God for the mercies of yesterday, they blame God for the trouble of today. God, why me? I've had enough of this bad day. Instead of remembering, It is by grace we are saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. It is because of God's goodness and kindness we have even arrived where we are now. It is his mercy that gives us even the grace to be able to think straight. What I've destroyed a lot of people, we've come through because the Lord kept us. I love that little phrase in the book of Peter. It says that we are kept by the power of God. 
Daniel's posture was that I will stand for God. The story goes on with a problem of Daniel. Now, I, I realized that the problem was inevitable because of Daniel's posture against the plot. Daniel faced an inevitable problem. The stand that he took meant that he would come under pressure. Everyone in life experiences one form of challenge or the other. But there are life challenges that are unique to the Christian. Because you are a Christian, you face a unique set of problems. A unique set of challenges. In this world where cohabitation, for example, is just is normal, is norm. For the, sing, for the single Christian person, man or woman, you will face the challenge when your colleagues at work or your friends and tell you, oh, I mean, it's okay, this person, I love them, and, you know, we stay together, we're not married, we will do it later in the year, but, you know, we're staying together and leaving us husband and wife. You will face that challenge, that pressure to compromise, to have sex before marriage. You will face that. You will face the challenge. Whereas for others, it's easy for them if the relationship is not work out. You just pack your baggage and go. But as a Christian husband and wife, you will face the challenge when things get tough to stay in and let God's grace work you through. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. For others, it's easy to backbite to walk over others to get a promotion. But for you, the Christian, you know, it's hard work. It's integrity. It's honesty. And sometimes it means that you'll be looked over and passed over for a promotion. And you'll be faced with a challenge of wanting to follow suit like the others. With others, they do what they like with their money. But as a Christian, as a believer in Christ Jesus, we recognize that we are stewards of the resources that God puts in our hands to support his work with our monies, to give our times to his service, to give our gifts and our abilities to do his work, that others also may come to know this beautiful Jesus. And so you'll be faced with a challenge of what you, how much you give to God's work, how much time you give to God's work, and you'll be faced, and some of you as we sit right here are faced with that challenge. Can I encourage you, take a stand for Jesus. The good news about problems or trouble is that God uses trouble as transportation to get you to your destination. Problems prepares you for the next level. Problems in God's hands can be a setup for a breakthrough. What the enemy thought he was using to bring you down, the same thing God will use to lift you up. They plotted against Daniel thinking this, I mean, this is it. Because the challenge was, there was no way out of it. It was only for, in their minds, there was only one way. But aren't we glad that we serve the God who makes a way where there is no way. We serve the God who makes, who causes water to break out in the desert. Who brings water out of the rock. 
who gives life to the dead. To the impossible, he makes it possible. Hallelujah. That is the Jesus we belong to. The God who did not spare his only begotten son, but gave him out for us. Together with him, he will give us all things. He knows what is best for you and I. The challenge you're going through right now, it is because of the greatness of the future that is ahead of you. Your challenge may be unique. You don't want to carry anybody's problem. Sometimes, you know, what, what we, we compound our situations and feelings because we look at the next person sitting to us and say, why are they not going through what I'm going through? If only you knew what they were going through, you say, Lord, thank you for what I'm going through. Because we are not of the same size and of the same level. Life is in stages. People are in sizes. How many of you agree to that? Okay, I don't want this to measure. But, <laughs> but life is in stages. So what happens to one may not necessarily happen to the other. But listen, this is the good news. God gives each and every one of us the grace that we need to overcome our challenges, our problems. And I pray God's grace for you. If you're sitting here and you feel like I've come up against this obstacle, I don't seem to be able to break through. May God of grace break through for you in the name of Jesus. Daniel's problems came about because, not because of anything bad he had done, but because of the good he did. Sometimes we have a misunderstanding of challenges and problems. We think if somebody has a problem because, hmm, there is a question mark somewhere. Maybe they are not living right. Maybe they are not praying hard enough. Or maybe they are not praying at all. Maybe they, they, they are not being faithful. But no, not all problems come because of something wrong people have done. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that you have trouble because you are a Christian. Jesus said in John, John chapter 16 verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble but take heart i say to someone take heart i say to someone be encouraged i say to someone you are not alone god is with you god knows your situation he's spoken about it even before it happens he's the god who determines the end from the beginning he knows what you're going through and has designed a great future for you already and if that sounds like you say a big amen but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love it in James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. It says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect or perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There is character development that will never happen in the comfort of the armchair. There is character development that will never happen in the comfort of the armchair with a mug of coffee in your hands. But it will only happen in the crucible of life. 
it will only happen on the cross. It will only happen in the pit. But you're coming out. It will only happen when you are under pressure. That is when the best comes out of us. Someone said, we do not grow in good times, but we grow in the tough times. If you agree with us, say a big amen. The challenge you're facing today is an indicator of the destiny ahead of you. Take heart. Be encouraged. You are not alone. God has seen your end and he's prophesied about the the difficulty you will face. Although he does not tell us the details. You know what? If only God told told us the details, I'm confident 90% of us will not be here. Oh, we would have said, thank you very much, Lord. I'll see you next time. If he only told you the tears you have at midnight. If he told you that by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, all the forces of darkness will come after you. You will have to meet certain situations that will make you cry. I'm confident a lot of us would have said, hey, Lord, I'll go and think about this again and I'll come back. But he, didn't t- he doesn't tell us the details. Do you know why? Because he promised us his presence. His presence is enough. His presence is the answer. With Jesus, we can smile at the storm. I pray whatever challenges you're facing this morning, whatever situations you're working through, Whatever things, mountains that faces you, I pray that the presence of the Lord will see you through. I pray that his grace will be sufficient for you. When you feel like giving up, maybe you're sitting here and thinking, perhaps this is my last Sunday. I'm not coming back next week. I've had enough. May God break through for you this week. May God give you a testimony. May God change the tide in your favor. May God work things out for you. Do you know there are some problems in life you just have to go through. You can't circumnavigate them. You can't jump over them. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, but it is of necessity that I pass through Samaria. To get to the king, you have to go to the cross. So someone said, to get to the king, you have to go to the king's cross. To get to that great future, that destiny that God has for you, there are certain issues of life you just have to go through. But the good news is that you will not go through it alone. Now, one of the things that helped Daniel in his problem was his prayer life. Three times a day, he would pray to God. He would thank God for the graces of yesterday and believe God for fresh grace for today. That he knew that the messes of the Lord are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His steadfast love never fails. He knew that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. And so three times a day he will go on his knees and he will pray to God. Do you know the truth of the fact is that not all of us are as strong as Daniel. Not all of us are able to pray three times a day. But that is why we have the blessing of the believing community. 
that where you're weak, others may lift you up. That where you are unable, God gives grace for others to help you to become able. And that's why we are not individuals, but we are individual members of one body. We are not an island to ourselves. We're connected to one another as we're connected to Jesus, the head of the church. And so fellowship is so crucial. Belonging to small groups, groups of accountability and vulnerability, where you can open up and let others into your life, where others open up and let you into their lives. Because you know what? You have a blessing that God has given you to solve someone's problem and God has given someone a blessing to solve your problem. As you release someone's blessing, I see God move the hearts of others to release your blessing in the name of Jesus. The problem you've heard is how when it's shared. May you not be a lone ranger. May you not be crushed by the burden of the challenge you are carrying. And that's why we have a ministry team. And we can trust and share with them. And they can hold our issues in confidentiality and pray for us. And pray with us. And believe God's grace. I pray that if you are just feeling down. Maybe you've had news this week. That has just knocked your faith and knocked your confidence. Maybe you've been dealing with a persistent issue of life. Maybe there's a question that is nagging at your heart and mind. This afternoon, we'll have the privilege of praying with you. That the God of grace will strengthen you. I don't promise you an immediate answer. But I can guarantee this. On the promise of God's word. His grace will see you through in Jesus name. And someone say amen. His grace will hold you up and get you in, in, in through that situation in Jesus name you will come back tomorrow the next week next month next year and say boy God you are faithful hallelujah that situation has not got the power to get you stuck the grace of God that is with you is stronger to get you going forward. Do you remember that scripture that says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. May that be your story in Jesus name. Finally, the promotion of Daniel. Can I say this to you? What kind of break you will make you because God will use it to make you stronger. Hallelujah. In verse 20, the climax really of chapter 6, we find that from verse 25, no, 26 to 28. And I read, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. 
if I should ask you, who is the star or hero of this passage, what would you say? <laughs> you're, no, you're not included. <laughs> Obviously, you say God. But uh, you know what? The he- Come again. <laughs> God is the hero of the story. It's easy to think that is Daniel. No. Daniel was in a place of helplessness. Daniel was in a place of hopelessness. Maybe just like you may find yourself right now. I came to speak to someone. If you don't have a problem, the message is not for you. But for that person who feels like they are in the pit, I came to announce to you, you are coming out in the name of Jesus Christ. For that person that feels like the door is shut against your career, against your future, against your relationship, against your marriage, against your health, I came to announce to you, you are coming out in the name of Jesus. Because there is a God in heaven who rules in the affairs of all men. There is a God who loves you passionately. That he gave his only begotten son for you. That if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have eternal life. That he who has written your name in the Lamb's book of life will not set you up as a failure. He will raise you up as a masterpiece, as a testimony to let others know those who trust in God will not be put to shame. So the promotion of Daniel is because God was in the story. Because God was in the picture. Because God was in Daniel's life. I love it many times the Bible says, and he prayed to his God. And even King Dairos recognized that this Daniel's God. Do you know, when you take a stand for God, God will take a stand for you. And very soon, God's name is hyphenated with your name. (laughs) Hallelujah. The God of Niger. The God of Kwame. I mean, that is sublime. And that is powerful. And that happens because feeble people like us, with floundering faith, sometimes we fall and we fail. But we rise up again because the everlasting arm of God is underneath us. Because we know our tomorrow is greater than today. And so we keep moving forward. When we get to that place, the Bible said, and Jesus was not afraid to call them his brethren. We become the God of Lucy, the God of Dini, the God of Sam. The God of whatever your name is. I pray that may you stand so strong for God. May you depend on his grace. That the generation will come after you and thank God for your life. That you did not quit when the going got tough. That you did not throw in the towel and say I've had enough of this Christian faith. That you did not give up on the church. You said no I'm going to be something else. But you stuck through it. And the God of grace brought you through. I'm reminded of a story. It's a very funny story of an old lady. As I bring the message to a close. 
And this old lady was an old lady who believed in the power of prayer. And next door, her next door neighbor was an atheist. And so often the old lady's practice was that she would stand in a, in a corridor and with a loud voice she would thank God. God, I thank you that you love me and you care for me and you supply all my needs according to your riches in glory. And then atheist next door neighbor will come and laugh at her. Oh, there is no God, just be happy and live your life. So one day she prayed, God, I thank you that you love me, you care for me. Please send me my provision for this week. And so the atheist heard the prayer and decided to pull a fast one on the old lady. So he quickly went to the grocery shop and got some goods and secretly placed them on the corridor whilst she had gone inside. And so she comes out and finds this bag of taste full of tasty things. And she's excited and she... By now, the atheist was hiding in a corner waiting to see what her response would be. So she lifts up her voice and says, God, thank you. I know you always supplied and you've done it again. At that moment, the atheist comes out and says, no, 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 God didn't do it. I went to the shop and brought these things here. Guess what? She lifted up her eyes and hands to heaven and said, God, thank you that you bought me my food and you made the devil pay for it. As you stand for God, God will do things that will amaze you. God will use people, use situations, use circumstances. The very thing the enemy thought was you, he was using to hold you down is the same thing that God will use you, will use to lift you up. What you think is getting you stop is the very thing God is using to set you loose. I see someone's destiny beginning to fly. I see someone who is staying faithful for God as a single person have a great and a glorious marriage. I see someone who is honoring God with their finances, with their money. I see God rewarding you faithfully. First John chapter 4 verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? God is the main character of your story. He's writing your story to become his, his, his story. Hallelujah. Where you are, you are not alone. Lift up your eyes and behold the God who sees in secret. That same God will reward you openly. Don't give up on God. Don't let go of your faith. Maybe he's spoken some things to you that seem almost impossible. If you take the step, God will back you up. Two years ago, God spoke to me about Haiti. And I said, no, Haiti, you know, when you think of Haiti, you're thinking of poverty, sickness, uh, all sorts of weird spiritual things. I said, no, no, I'm not going. And moreover, I don't even have the money to go. So if God really wants me to go to Haiti, 
he will maybe get somebody to write me a big fat check and then I can know, okay, I need to go. But guess what? When you always want to do what honors God, what he has for you, he will not take it away. So this, this sensing, this nagging on my heart, this stack, Haiti, Haiti, Haiti will not shake off. Until later on this year, early on this year, I said, okay, Lord, I will go. And the story about Haiti is a very desperate story. It's a country who did, have not recovered from the 2020 earthquake that happened to them. Over 200,000 people died. They did not recover. And then Matthew, uh, Hurricane Matthew hit them. Over 1,000 people died. The only, the poorest country in all of the Western Hemisphere has a low uh, survival rate among children. Lots of children don't go to school. No education. Very poor government system. Children die of sicknesses that shouldn't kill them. In the wake of the Hurricane Matthew, many children have been left fatherless and homeless. Women, children, sometimes walking barefooted and almost, I mean partially naked. And God is steady in my heart to take clothes, to take food, to take stationery, to take slippers, and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Haiti. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And why Haiti? Because God loves them. For God so loved the whole world. Not just us in Forest Hill or Sydney. Not just us in the United Kingdom. But everybody. All power and authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. And therefore I say to you, go. Go to the nations and make disciples of them. And so we are going. And guess what? I'm going with you. You ask me how. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. But you can come with me through your prayers. If you can pray that God will take me and bring me back safely. You can pray that God will open their hearts to receive the message of the gospel. You can pray that God will use the things that we take to them to let them know he cares for them. That their hearts will be turned from worshiping idols to worship the living Jesus. You can pray that God will bring revival to that nation. And you can go with me. I think uh, Nigel will share with you on that one. With your giving. I have a, an evangelistic ministry. And that resources churches in evangelism, church planting. And as Nigel was saying, we just came back from Norway. And uh, we went to support the church there. And the good news is that the church is doing very well. And uh, it's exciting to be on the move with God. And so... As God speaks to your heart, as you have seen the difference the gospel has made in your life through the sacrifices of others, maybe God is stirring your heart. For someone, maybe this is the exact opportunity you've been praying for. I want to use the little I have to make a big difference in someone's life. Hate is one of those places where a pound can make a big difference. And so I pray that you will join me in spirit, in mind, 
broken heart. And let's make a difference for Jesus in Haiti. And if you believe it, say a big amen. amen. Nigel, thank you for your time. But before I finish, can I say this? As this minister who one day found a box of eggs, six eggs in a box in his wife's closet. So he said to the wife, what are these eggs for? And alongside the eggs were, uh, was a, a thousand pounds. So uh, the wife said to him, every time you preach a bad message, I put one egg down. So thinking to himself, wow, out of 35 years, six eggs, I mean, I think I'm doing really good. And so he asked the wife, how about a thousand pounds? So every time I got six eggs, I sold them for one pound. <laughs> I pray God has spoken to you and you have heard God clearly. Let's bow down our head for a word of prayer. So, Father, we thank you for your grace and your message to us. Lord, we honor you for the story of Daniel. It's a story that shows you in very clear light that you are the God who saves, who rescues, who is there for the underdog, the helper of the helpless and the giver of hope, the bringer of joy. One who changes our beauty, our ashes for beauty. And so, Lord, I have spoken your word as you spoke to me. And Father, I present your people before you. I ask the Holy Spirit, you will apply these words forcefully to the hearts of your people. That our faith will arise. That we will stand for you in the midst of the challenges of life. Lord, I ask for that brother or sister who may be going through a very hard time due to no fault of theirs at all, but because they have taken a stand for you. And Lord, your grace will overshadow them, and that you bring them through with a living testimony. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout a big amen.